Hi, and welcome back to Pleasanton Science Circle. I'm your host, Devanch. I'm your co-host, Aria. And I'm your other co-host, Ishani. Today, we're going to be talking about the science between personality theory and personality assessments. And we'll be going deep into some things such, such as the MBTI uh, and other things like the big five and enneagrams and other ways that we type indicate ourselves to try to get a sense of our personality. So I think we're going to start with a debate on the pros and cons of the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Uh, and you might know this not already, but essentially it's a type indicator that sorts people into categories based on four traits, uh, extroversion, uh, intuitiveness, um, judging and perceiving, and then thinking versus feeling. So it does this essentially by having scoring individuals on a scale on each of those four traits and then assigning them a type based on those binaries. So why is the MBTI good? Well, there's a lot of evidence that the MBTI actually uh, is not necessarily incredibly scientific and it doesn't follow psychological principles that doesn't that allow it to be a strong and reliable indicator of personality for the workplace or for psychology exams. That being said, the MBTI can be incredibly useful in a lot of specific scenarios. And the most common one is as a conversation starter or to allow you to learn more about your own personality and how you think and go about the, your actions. Now, as Devanch said, um, the Myers-Briggs type indicator is not um, very effective when using it in scientific, um, like using it for scientific purposes. So there are four main reasons. And the first one is that it doesn't really have any real world implications. So let's say you are cast as an introvert. What does that really mean? What does that have to do with your life? Introverts can be just as great leaders as extroverts. So there aren't really real world implications um, while it might be fun to know, it doesn't really matter. Um, the second reason is that black and white labeling is not effective. Humans are a spectrum and the majority of people fall into the average and not the extremes. So when you say that you are, for example, an ENFJ, you really don't know what um, percentage, you're just giving the, the black and white labeling, which is not the, the greatest way to um, categorize people. Um, the third reason is lack of reproducibility. So the scientific method says that for it to be science, it has to be reproducible. Um, but for the MBTI, it does not, the results don't say, stay consistent when one person takes it multiple times. So there are always like varying results. Um, and over 50% of people get different results the second time they take it, even if it's as little as five weeks later. Um, and the fourth reason is that four categories just isn't enough to um, put people into boxes. Research so shows that you need at least five or six distinct aspects of human nature and probably more. So while the tests are fun, they should have no relevance in the medical or psychological fields. 
So there's a lot of uh, debate on whether the MBTI should have relevance, as Ishani said, in medical, psychological, or even work fields. And while I believe that the MBTI, as in the test itself and common interpretations and usages of it, such as the popular 16 personalities website, uh, are ineffective and not useful for those situations. There are ways, in accordance with Jungian's or Jung, Carl Jung's original theory, uh, to use the MBTI to create an, a, both a precise, reproducible, and accurate way to type people with personalities. And what the way you do that is less by sorting people into, into boxes of extrovert and intro, introvert implicitly and looking at each function, function separately than it is by using something called cognitive functions. And cognitive functions essentially are a stack of functions that describe the way you think uh, and the way you perceive the world around you. For instance, uh, an example of a cognitive function would be introverted thinking, uh, which is the logic and the, uh, sorry, which is the logic and the way we think. I mean, and it is a, it, it makes a strong logical structure for ourselves and creates a way of thinking in people with strong introverted thinking that is very logical and precise. And so people with strong introverted thinking usually have the introverted personality type and the thinking personality type. And people with uh, poor introverted thinking, so people with inferior introverted thinking is what it's called, are usually EX FX. So they have the extroverted and feeling personality types, which means they're poorer generally at logic and uh, things like that. So while it isn't perfectly accurate for every person, using cognitive functions is a great, more reproducible way to use the MBTI effectively. Then we'll, then we'll get to that it has no real world implications because I strongly disagree with this. The Myers-Briggs type indicator saying that it has no real world implications means that it wouldn't be used in the real world. If the MBTI had absolutely zero relevance or usefulness, it would not become as common or as popular as it is right now. And in fact, learning that somebody is an ENTJ or an ENFJ or anything can give you valuable information on them and how you relate, at least to some extent, with them. And finally, the putting people into abstract categories. While I agree with this to some extent that the MBTI does this, it has four separate categories, first of all. And second of all, it's a test where changing your category from introverted to extroverted doesn't really change the rest of how you behave and think. So with MBTI, if you say that, okay, it's inaccurate for a certain person because that person may be ambiverted. So they're sort of extroverted and sort of ex introverted. That might be an incredibly uh, good point against the MBTI, but at the same time, those people, and those people may be common, but at the same time, 
the MBTI still lets you learn other things about yourself and lets you learn that you are an ambivert and more about yourself in that way. I think the problem with um, your argument for real world implications and that um, like it, it's very important and it wouldn't be used if it didn't have any real world, real world implications is that we still it's still not effective the the fact that people can get such varyingly like drastically varying results um shows that it's not very effective so when people use them for real world implications and people like put these put others like in a box where like you are thinking you cannot like you are thinking you are turbulent these um when people use it for real world implications, it has negative consequences on people's um, like jobs, their their um, what their like employees think, what their employers think. So while it is a good like icebreaker and um, in conversation, it's it shouldn't necessarily be used as something that you can just go off of. Um, and you said that it, it has four different categories. Well, yes, but four categories aren't enough to really categorize a human. So um, I think that that logic in itself is flawed in that research shows that you need five or six and probably more. So um, the four categories is just, it's not enough for at least the MBTI. Others, um, other personality type uh, assessments might be um, more or less um, scientific and accurate. If you try to use a sledgehammer to kill a fly, is it the fault of the sledgehammer that it doesn't work properly to kill the fly? No. The Essentially, the use of MBTI in work settings and in uh, governmental settings is problematic, and I completely agree with that, but I don't think that's why the MBTI exists. And so, yeah, with that, I'm, I think we're going to move on from this debate and continue to talking about some other uh, personality tests and personality indicators. Right. So considering all this information we've just learned during this debate, I would like to go back to the beginning of how personality tests came to be and why there's perhaps so much um, confusion about their accuracy. So personality tests began during World War I, which is when the US military wanted to know which of their shoulders soldiers should serve based on their personality types, who was the most mentally fit. And slowly they gained popularity in the 1900s and more scholars started creating their own personality, personality tests to judge not only mental health, but also personality. Slowly people began to question the accuracy of these uh, tests, so they started to become more science-based, and psychologists eventually developed the Big Five Personality Traits test over around 30 years. So this test uses a one to five scale between two opposing traits, and people will be grouped based on the early statistics of which traits were most commonly selected by the same person. And based on these different traits, five different groups were formed, and those are extroversion, conscientiousness, agreeableness, neurotism, and openness to experience. And the way the Big Five test is 
working and is more accurate perhaps than the Myers-Briggs test is that it is more of a test of that involves self-reflection. So the results that you'll receive will tell you more about which personality traits you exhibit rather than a specific type of personality in that you perfectly fit, which you most likely would not fit anyways. And so these results come more directly from the information you entered into the test to begin with. There's not really much that the test is telling you that you didn't already answer about yourself. And a great way you can use this test is also to compare your uh, traits to those of former test takers and learn more about yourself in that process. So that is one way that a personality test could become more accurate just based on the fact that it's more wrapped up in self-reflection rather than trying to group people based on a certain, not even a stereotype, but just a certain set of traits. And I'd also like to jump into a little bit of personality tests that are targeted at helping people find their best job fit. And so these tests are actually more about making a person feel like there's just one perfect job for them. Like each job has its own certain set of traits that a person should exhibit in order to be most successful with that job. And a person who has certain traits would be the most successful in certain types of jobs. But that is ne not necessarily true. There are so many ways that you can change and adapt to a new job. And so although sometimes it may feel like you want more clarity about what type of job to take, so you might decide to take personality tests and see what jobs you're well suited to, it might not necessarily tell you exactly what you would be successful at. And then something that I would just like to leave everybody off with to help you figure out which personality tests are giving you more accurate results is to look for the abstract questions. So these abstract, very deep and meaningful questions are typically signs of a test that is actually too ambiguous and not gonna be very accurate. And like, for example, deciding what type of house you would design is not necessarily going to tell you much about your personality. Um, and then finally, I also want to just add on that intuitiveness can also be a large factor in inaccuracy for a personality test. So speaking from my own personal experience, I can say that sometimes I become very wrapped up in trying to figure out the right way to answer the question, the way that I would want myself to answer the question, rather than trying to figure out how accurately I would, I am describing myself while I'm answering a question. And so this can overall just really uh, mess up your results and cause a very different type of results that you nece not nece that you nece that you don't necessarily um, follow the traits of that results. And in, that's pretty much all I have to add. So Ishani and Devonch, do you guys have anything? Those were very great tips. Thank you, Arya. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, there are a lot of different personality tests and assessments that can really help you learn more about who you are if you don't put too much stock into any one of them. Thank you all for coming and listening to our podcast. I know it was a bit longer, but we hoped you enjoyed it.